Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Philippians chapter 3. I want to say a couple of things before I get into my message today. If the overflow, hope you're standing up too. If you're not, it would be awkward. Uh, you're in the most expensive seats, by the way, if you're in the overflow. Uh, I think that's full and so forth. Hey, I'm glad you're here. And um, I want to share a quick testimony. Uh, my wife and I got to spend time with perhaps one of the most significant leaders in New Zealand recently when we were in Australia. He had two and a half years ago been diagnosed of uh, terminal cancer. He got brain cancer and they said he got three months to live. Well, this is now two years later. He had multiple surgeries, almost passed away. And then he just announced actually last Sunday in their church, this Sunday gone, that uh, he had thousands of people praying for him, went through some surgeries, but it had spread to his liver, spread to his lungs. I mean, it was looking very, very bad. He's a great friend of, uh, a good friend of mine. And, uh, but he just announced to their whole church that they can't find any cancer anymore. And so I just want to, come on, that's good. Isn't that good? And uh, someone in our church recently was really de dealing with some difficult things. And uh, I got to see them last night and they're on the way up. Uh, they were spending 14, 16. When, they, when you're in the hospital for 16 days, that's not good. But things are turning around, praise God. Yeah. Philippians chapter 3 says this, verse 12. It is not as though I had already attained it. This is Paul speaking. Nor were already perfect. But I follow after that I may apprehend that for which Christ Jesus also apprehended me. Brothers, sisters, I count not myself to have apprehended it. But there's one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward under those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Some say high calling. High calling of God in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, all of us then who are mature, should take such a view of things. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for every man, every woman within the sound of my voice. I thank you for kids in our kids' space. I thank you for the state we live in, the country we live in. I do lift up uh, Israel to you and all that's happening there, Father. I pray for God more than anything else. I pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. I pray for your kingdom, Lord, both in the Israelis and the Palestinians. I pray, Lord God, for mercy. I pray for justice. I pray for the goodness. I pray for your, your hand to move across the world. And I pray, Lord, for more people to come to Christ and find you. And God, let the church shine bright in, 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 um, in hard days, in troubled days. So, Father, I speak faith over your people right now. I speak hope over your people right now. Lord, I pray you'd infuse us with courage and, and wisdom and grace, Lord, to navigate, Lord, all of life's complexity sometimes. Father, we lift up our hearts to you, our lives to you, impart vision in this place. Lord, heal a marriage in this place, heal a body in this place. Lord, stretch out your hand and do exceedingly and abundantly more than all we ask or imagine, I pray. Come on, pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life. In your powerful name. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, one more time. Give the Lord a hand in the house of God. Praise God. Praise God. Hey, grab your seat. Turn to the person next to you and tell them they look good. 
and then say, better than social media, baby, better than social media. I was at my kid's school not that long ago and they had a jogathon. Someone say jogathon. When there's a school jogathon, like, there's lots of complexities as you watch young kids do the jogathon because you got some kids who are intense and they're going to run the whole thing. You got others who, like, sprint the first lap or two. Then they just start walking. Like, I thought there was a jogathon, not a walkathon. There's others who pretend to run maybe the first, like, 50 meters and you think they're going to run and then they just start talking to their friends and they're just walking around and all the parents are like, yeah, you're doing so well. And I'm like, are we just celebrating mediocrity here? Is that what we're doing? Is that what we are? Right? I just, I have that little bit of intenseness to me sometimes. Like, if you're not trying, you're not trying. <laughs> like, that's deep right there. If you're not trying, you're not trying. Um, but then the other day, I was walking my dog and I saw this runner running by me. How'd I know as a runner? It was his shorts. <laughs> you know when someone knows how to run, they always got these little shorts on. They got this intensity to them. They didn't smoke like 10 packs of cigarettes for like the last 10 years. No, they've been watching their health. They've been running. He, he looked like this guy, like just hamstrings flexing. He had, a, he had his biceps showing. He had intensity to his, his movement. I, I, I looked at him. I was like, man, this guy runs. He wasn't looking around to the left or right. You knew he was going to finish this run. He had that look in his eye. The Apostle Paul is like that running athlete. He's a runner. He's not a walker. He's not a prancer. He's not just chatting to his friends. He's not sitting on the side just going, just take it easy. Pastor Paul's a runner. He was actually saying to the Philippian church, the Christians who had come to Christ, and he writes this letter that they were to run, not like some people run. Bags heavy, big hoodie on, baggy pants. No, he was like, no, you need to look like a runner. You need to focus like a runner. He says this interesting line that he was pursuing all that God had for him. He said to, to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, I want to know Christ. And then he says, in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And then he says this line that's always stayed with me. All of us who are mature, someone say mature. mature. All of us who are adulting, all of us who are growing, he says, should take such a view of things or should think like this. Someone say, think like this. Think like this. Say it one more time. Think like this. Think like this. He's, he's encouraging their thinking. He's saying mature people think a certain way, don't they? Have you ever met someone who's mature? Are you growing in maturity? You ever met someone and they just do exactly what they say they're going to do all the time? If they say they're going to be there, they're going to be there. They say they're going to be early, they're going to be early. How many of you are still learning that one? Still growing in that one? Still like, yeah, I'm trying to get there. I was driving one time to work. It was back in the day. Back when I didn't work for church. I worked at the Short Hills Club. I was a tennis pro at a club. Enjoyed the job, loved the job. 
Most of the time I'd get there early, but occasionally I'd hit New Jersey turnpike traffic. This one morning, I think I'd been late the week before, like seven minutes. How many know when you're late for seven minutes, you just feel guilty all day? Right? You know your boss is looking at you like you're useless and just kind of, ah, hi, you know, traffic. And how many know you can only use the traffic card so many times? You can't use it every time, people. Just a hint if you want a promotion. And one day I'm heading towards work, turnpike track. I'm like, come on, man. The shoulder's there for a reason, right? <laughs> on that day, I was like, I need to go with the shoulder. Some of you policemen and firemen are like, I'm gonna kill you. I go the shoulder. It goes well. I get to work on time. Fast forward another week. I hit the turnpike traffic again. I'm like, come on, man. That shoulder was just alluring me. It was inviting me. I, again, people, this is 13 years ago. This isn't like last week. Okay, some of you are judging me too hard. You're a pastor. You can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. I feel it already. I feel the inside. Some of you are those, like, you're loose with rules. Others are, like, strict. You're like, that's the rule. What do you mean, that's the rule? I grew up, my personality isn't like, that's the rule. My personality says, that rule's for others. I've got grace. <laughs> like, that's my natural personality. My wife would tell me sometimes, babe, like, that's the rule. And I'm like, I mean, kinda. <laughs> I was embracing my sevenness, my... You can, you can check that out later. I was embracing my Australianness, no worries, nothing bad will happen. I take the shoulder. Come on, man. Pull over. Friend had given me the PBA card. <laughs> Showed the guy my license, PBA card. And he says to me, your friend, he'd be embarrassed to you. <laughs> he took away my card. He didn't give me a fine. I was like, praise the Lord. <laughs> Why did I tell that story? I just thought it was a good story to tell. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You and I have a race to run. And there will be lure, luring moments, temptation moments to get off track. To literally go, you know what, what does it matter? I'm just going to come to the side. I'm going to run to the side. I'm not going to run the race that God has called me to. There will be moments when you will get lured. And I want to encourage you from Paul's writing here that he was to run this race. And he says, I was to run it like a runner. I was to run it like an athlete. I wasn't to bring too much baggage to my journey. I was to run focused. And then he says, all, all people who are mature. In other words, if I'm speaking to this room, what I would say this is, if you're going to be mature, if I'm going to be mature, not just as a 40-whatever-year-old pastor, 
But if I'm going to be mature and growing into my 50s and 60s and my 70s, that doesn't mean I just simply embrace this retirement view of Christianity, that I have known God enough. But I want to encourage you this, as Paul is writing this, he is old in the faith. He has cast out demons, he has healed the sick, he has raised the dead, he has planted churches, and he says this, I want to know Christ. And you're like, Paul, you already know Christ. What do you mean you want to know him? He's like, I want to know him more. And he says, and all of us, watch this now, who are mature, should think like this. Which means this, God, here's what's so encouraging, God has more for you. I want you to let that sink into your heart and your spirit. You might know God a tiny bit. You might not yet feel like you know God, or you might have been on this journey for 10 years and 20 years. God is more for you to know. God is more for you to experience. And God has, if you're not dead yet, and everyone in this room isn't because you're breathing, then God has more things for you to do. God wants to flow through your life. I pray that the rest of your life is the most fruitful of your life. Let me say that again. I pray that the rest of your life, men, ladies in here, young people in here, the rest of your life could be the most fruitful. The best of your life isn't behind you. It's in front of you if God's in front of you. So many people retire their faith. They run for a little bit, do a lap, whoo, hang out with some people that just walk, talk a little bit, and then all of a sudden they're not running anymore. They're not pursuing anymore. And you know what happens over time? First, that, that's attractive. I've actually found this. If you get to just put the lazy boy chair on Christianity, if you just get to sit in the lazy boy of comfortable, complacent Christianity, I want to tell you at first, it's, it's attractive. Man, I don't need to pray no more. I believe in Jesus. I'll go to church. I'm good. But let me tell you what happens in the land of the comfortable couch of complacent Christianity. Let me tell you what happens. You get bored. You get bored. At first, it's attractive. You're like, yes. Woo. Going to heaven. What's on Netflix? <laughs> but after a while, you kind of get bored. And how many of you know when you get bored, you do dumb things? Men know this. When men aren't busy, when men lack vision, when men are bored, they just do dumb stuff. I don't know about the ladies, but I know men. We need vision. And Paul is encouraging them to have a God-sized vision that they can know God more as the years go on. I want to encourage you in worship, there's more that God wants you to experience. I want to encourage you in the Word, there's more that God wants you to experience. I want to encourage you as someone who may be leading a transformed group or a group builder or just attending for the first time. God has more for you. God has more. He says, brothers and sisters, I count not myself to have apprehended it. He says, but this one thing I do. Now, this doesn't mean all he does is pray. 
in, in the context of if you're a single mum in here, you're like, like, what do you mean? All I can do is pray now? No, it's really pursuing all that God has for you in what God has for you. In your job, in, in, as your father, as a husband, as, as a teenager, as a college student. But here's what I would say, verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize. He says that the high calling, someone say high calling. It's a high calling. It's not a low calling. It's not an average calling. Let me encourage you. If you feel like life has given you an average card, I want to encourage you that in the Christian faith, you're not called to have an average faith. You're not called to have an average marriage. You're not called to be an average person. Actually, it's a high calling. It's not a low calling, but it's definitely not an average calling. I remember years ago when I was growing up and my brother and sister and I used to sometimes tell my parents or compel my parents or want certain things. How many of you know as parents we're often having to deal with our kids' expectations? I remember as, as a kid I'd say to my parents, everyone's doing it. You ever said that? Yeah. Ever said that to your parents? Everyone's going. Everyone's going to do it. Everyone has one. Everyone's on social media. Everyone, everyone, everyone. Everyone's going to this party. Everyone. You know what I found about everyone? Everyone's average. But sometimes if you're not going to be average, you're not just going to run with the crowd, you actually got to say, you know what? If everyone's doing it, maybe I could do something better. Maybe I could do something higher. Maybe there's a bigger calling that I could actually start to pursue. Everyone's going. You know, in New Zealand, there's more sheep than people. I know. That was deep. <laughs> one day, this one sheep walked off a cliff. How do you know sheep are stupid? No, 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 no. That's a weird sheep noise. <laughs> 16,000 sheep walked off the cliff. So much so that it became padding at the end for the sheep who were committing suicide. So not all 16,000 died, but thousands of sheep died. Why? Because everyone was doing it. Everyone was doing it. When all the media's doing it, sometimes you go, you know what, maybe I need to get along with God, find out what he's doing. When everyone's going to that one thing, you know, lots of people do a lot of wild things in college and so forth, but many times they're still dealing the repercussions of that in their late 20s and late 30s and late 40s because of what happened in college. I'm glad God called me actually as a 19 year old in college, and there were so many luring moments, but there was also so many purpose driven moments. And the truth was, when you actually find God at a young age, you save yourself a whole lot of pain, save yourself a whole lot of mess. And I want to encourage you to save yourself some mess. Can I get a good amen? amen? Henry Ward Beecher said this, it's easier to go down a hill than up it, but the view is much better at the top. I was driving with my kids recently. I accidentally cut someone off. I didn't mean to cut him off. I didn't see him. I veered into the left because something was going on the right. There was lots of traffic and I'm veering in and 
And then this guy behind me gets super mad. Starts telling me I'm number one. You're like, you're number one. I'm, I, I know. I receive it. Now he was mad. He was trailing me. He was, he was honking. He's like, So much so that my kids look back and he's like, Dad, this guy's mad at you. <laughs> and, and, and you know what happens sometimes in our lives? We can spend so long looking in the review mirror at something that just happened, someone that was mad at us. But you know that if I look in the review mirror, it's, it's safe. But if I stare there too long and I just stare at some dude who's mad at me, how many know I take my eyes off actually what's in front of me and before you know it, some voice in my background, noise of my life, some, some thing is behind me saying, you can't move forward. You did a wrong thing. Some of you came in today in worship, and you're like, you can't be a Christian. What did you do last week? And it's like this backward voice from your past actually starts to shout at you to try and stop you entering the presence of God, to stop entering or to stop you moving forward in life. And I want to tell you, you can learn some stuff from the rearview mirror of your car. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. But then you've got to look forward. And this is what Paul really told us. Let me give you and point you to an example of those who started well. Someone say start well. Someone say run well. Someone say finish well. These guys started well. Genesis chapter 12. This is Abram. Verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Someone say land. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. He left without knowing where he was going to go. Abram takes his wife Sarai. They take their riches with them, and they begin this cool journey with God, walking with God. They're not sure where they're going, but God begins to show them step by step where are they going. And then God gives them a promise in Genesis 15, verse 18 to 21. It says this, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, someone say to your descendants, to your descendants, I will give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Canaanites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, Perizzites, um, man, there's some, a lot of ites here. And then there's the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites, but no Vegemites. <laughs> Amen. Amen. There's no Vegemites there. Some of you get that later. God promises land. Some will say promise. Do you know that this land that I am exactly talking to you about today is the land that God promised Abraham to give to his descendants? And this is the land that's actually fought over in Israel and Palestine right now. This is that land. God literally said to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob becomes Israel. Israel becomes a nation. He says, this is the land that I will give you. Later, Christ actually prophesies that the destruction of Israel would happen. It happens in 70 AD. And then Israel is dead basically as a nation for the next 18, 1900 years. They're scattered all over the world. And Christ's prophecy comes true in 1947 when Israel becomes a nation again. And for the last 70 years, that's been a nation. But it's obviously one of the most fought over pieces of land in the world. But it's God's promise and it's Christ's prophecy. That's why the church 
has often been the biggest supporter of Israel as a nation because they know that Israel is part of the plan of God. It just is. It's part of the prophecies of Jesus that when Jesus prophesied that the nation would come on back, it's literally like, oh my goodness, his prophecy that's 2,000 years old just came to pass. Then he talks of wars and rumors of wars. But here's what's interesting, and I want to point you to this. Abram and Sarai are given a promise. Someone say promise. Promise. They're running the run of faith. They're they're on their journey. But how many know on the journey you sometimes get tired? Sometimes get a little discouraged. Sometimes get a little disappointed. And the promise seems to be taken too long. Sarai can't have a baby. And in Genesis 16, she says this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children through her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. Now, I would encourage most most men to listen to their wives except this time. Time's ticking. Sarai's disappointed. Sarai's like, man, where's where's this child that God promised? She's discouraged, she's looking to the left, she's looking to the right, other women around her having babies, and she's like, where's my baby? God has promised her a baby, God has promised her land, and she's not seeing it. And the problem is, she's looking too much to the left and to the right, where God says, no, I need you to run the race that you're called to run. In the age of social media, do you know that it's probably the easiest time to look to the left and look to the right of what everyone else is doing and fill your mind with what everyone else is doing instead of what God has called you to do? You can compare yourself with someone who's got it, on, got it going on relationally. Like, oh my gosh, look how happy they are. They're married with kids. And you don't even know that took like 74 pictures to even get everyone smiling. And you're like, oh my gosh, they're the perfect like couple. And they're the perfect little family. And I don't have a family. But you don't sometimes know the challenges that they're dealing with. Right? And you might look at someone who's got it going on financially on social media. And you're like, oh my gosh, it must be nice to be you. And but you don't actually realize how much responsibility they have and how much tension and headaches sometimes they actually have or how hard they worked or how much they sacrificed and all that kind of stuff. Does that make sense? And sometimes we can be running the race that God has called us to run, but we're too busy instead of looking ahead. I know at different times in the history of our church, my wife and I would see churches growing and expanding and killing it they're like our first year we had 600 people show up to our church we're like what (laughs) the first two and a half years of our church there was like 37 people and we couldn't grow past 37 and and it was just discouraging and then God moved us to another place and then we slowly slowly began to grow and so and then finally after like five six years it's like 100 people we're like woo and some of my friends who've been leading a church for five years, they're like, oh, my church is a thousand people. <laughs> oh, cool. We got a hundred on a really good day. And that's if you're counting someone with gnats on their head and all kinds of stuff. And <laughs> and sometimes you can sit there and compare yourself. But you don't know the season. You don't know the time. You don't sometimes know if they're actually successful or is it fake success. 
You don't actually know if they're successful in men's eyes, but they're not successful in God's eyes. If you're running your race, someone say my race. Your race is to know God. Your race is to fulfill what God has for you. God has a unique race for you to run and you don't need to get lost in what's my calling and what's this. Just get to know God little bit by little bit. Be faithful in what you do know to do. Do the little things you do know to do. Like keep doing those things time and time again. And amazing things can happen. But guess what? God has a race for you to run. And you don't need to compare yourself with everyone else. Because what happened with Sarah, she started comparing herself. And before you know it, she says to Abram, her husband, hey, go have sex with Hagar. And he's like, okay. Can I have the piano person to come? Because it's about to sound really much more spiritual. I'm just having a good time preaching. You know, come on, let's go. And Hagar has a baby and Sarai actually despises her, sends her away. And then the Bible says something so interesting about this baby. Genesis 16, verse 11, and the angel of the Lord said to her, this is to Hagar, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. So God had listened. But watch this now. Watch how he describes this baby and its descendants. He shall be like a wild donkey of a man and his hand against everyone. You're like, what? That, that's not the promise I want for my baby. Like right that above his crib. His hand is against everyone. And everyone's hand against him. You're like, this is a bad prophecy, Lord. But it was just true. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. Well, Israel becomes a nation, but this guy Ishmael becomes a nation. And Israel is the descendant, literally, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And Palestine, the most population of Palestine today, generally speaking, is the descendants of Ishmael. Why do I say that? Because one person who didn't run their race, who started looking to the left and right, actually gave birth to something that was in the permissible will of God. Does God love these people? Of course, God loves everyone. He is love. But it was in outside of the perfect will of God. It was in the permissible will of God. And that actually now, to this day, for thousands of years, has literally been war after war after war after war. So let me ask you a simple question. Are you running your race? Or are you getting lured by the crowd or the noise or what's happened in your past? Are you getting lured by what's happening in your past to not run the race that God has called you to run? And in doing so, you'll often give birth to not God's babies, but you'll give birth to your own babies. You'll birth your purpose instead of God's purpose. And this world is full of people birthing God's purpose. Sorry, this world is full of people often giving birth to their purpose instead of God's. When you run the race that God intends for you, you'll give birth to God's purposes. But let me say this, when you stop running the race, you give birth to man's purposes. Let me give you one more quote as I close today. The mature Christian or the growing Christian. Someone say the growing Christian. 
Because I hope you'll commit to be a growing Christian for the rest of your days. You might have been a Christian a week, a month, a year, five years. I hope you'll commit to be a growing Christian, a growing follower of Christ, a growing man of God, a growing woman of God. The mature Christian or the growing Christian is one who continually is pursuing what God has for them in every area of life. They know as long as they are breathing, they can know more, experience more, and be of useful service. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let me share this last story. On the screen, you're going to see a picture of two men running. You might be like, man, how do I get my mojo back? How do I get my momentum back? How do I start running the race that God has asked me to run? Let me say this. You run behind someone who runs really well. That's how you do it. This is what Paul is telling them when he's saying, copy Epaphroditus, copy me. He's saying, listen, model yourself after people who are running the race well. I used to run cross country back in the day and my sole goal in cross country was run, the, run behind the guys coming first. I'm just going to sit on his tail, sit on his tail, follow his legs, just watch. Because I know this, he's taking more of the heat than I'm taking, more of the wind than I'm taking. And then at the last little hundred, I'm just going to come around you if I got the energy, bro, <laughs> and slip on through. And you know how to do faith better? Stop following someone who's doing faith just go, what do you do? And before you know it, you start getting in the same gate that they've got in. Your legs are doing the same things. You're like, man, you go to transform. Yeah, you don't just go to transform, but you show up early. Man, you serve and transform, man. That's serious. Can I encourage you? If you want relationships to do better, get in the slipstream of those who do relationships better. If you want your faith to move forward, get in the slipstream of someone whose faith is moving forward. Every church I've ever said, man, that church is doing amazing. That leader's doing amazing. That Christian's doing amazing. They weren't Christians who got comfortable. They were churches and leaders and Christians that kept pressing on toward the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Can we give the Lord a good amen in the house of God? Amen. Come on all across this place. Why don't we close our eyes? Oh, Father, I thank you so much for your people. I thank you for everyone. I thank you for every child in our kids' space right now, every person watching in the overflow right now, with eyes closed, with head bowed all across this place. There would be people in this room right now. A friend brought you. You might feel far away from God. You might feel disconnected from God. You might literally be like, I don't know if I know God. I want to tell you, my friend, that God loves you. I want to tell you, my friend, that God didn't just love you with words. He sent His best, His Son, the Son of God and God the Son to die upon a cross so that the gap between God and man could be filled. It's the bridge called Christ Jesus. It's the door called Christ Jesus. It's the way called Christ Jesus. It's the life called Christ Jesus. There was no one like Him. No one lived like Him. No one spoke like He spoke. No one knew the future like He knew the future. No one did miracles like He did miracles. No one had compassion like He had compassion. No one died like He died. And then three days later, no one resurrected like He resurrected. And there would be people all across this room and all across across our church would tell you very confidently, I met Him. He changed my life. He wants to meet you and change your life. If you don't know Him in this place, He wants to meet you and forgive you and Make you part of the family of God. It's all across this place. 
He doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to heal you. He wants to change you. His spirit is here right now, wooing people, drawing people. He says, behold, I stand the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I'll come in and eat with him and hang out with him. He wants to be your Lord, your Savior, your best friend. Maybe here today and you've fallen away from God. You used to know him, but now you've ran away and got lured away. Friend, his grace is for you. His invitation is for you. So all across this place, with eyes closed, we're going to pray a simple prayer. And that prayer can boldly connect you to the person of Christ. So can we pray it as a church family? Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you died for me. Today, I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. Help me know you. Help me walk with you. Come into my life. All across this place with eyes closed. If you came back to God today, in that prayer, in that moment, where you said yes to Jesus for the very first time, would you quickly raise your hand, raise it up high, all across this place. If you're online today and watching, you can raise your hand too. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Raise your hand just long enough, high enough for me to see it all across this place. Front to the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Those in the overflow today, you can raise your hand too. Thank you so much. You can put your hand down. Father, thank you for every hand, every heart. In the awesome name of Jesus, bless and strengthen every single life, I pray. Every marriage and home, every person, Lord, searching for you, draw them. Lord, help each one run the race that we're called to run. Lord, reveal yourself more and more in the days ahead. Help us know your voice and follow in love and wisdom and grace, I pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, Church Alive, can we give the Lord a hand in the house of God? Come on. Have me receive God's word today. Praise God. Praise God.